Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. Today is March 18th, 2023, episode 77, season 2, episode 77. Tonight's show is titled, That is No Swift Concert. We've already selected 10 of the articles that we are going to talk about today. The 10 that get aggregated into, well, there's a whole bunch that get aggregated into hometown.com, but... Here's the quick rundown. We're going to talk about organic strawberries getting recalled. That's our PSA for tonight. Uh, Monster Train devs have a a unique turn-based action RPG that they're releasing. Or it was released. Um, uh, Another PSA, but for those who are investing in businesses. uh, Founders, don't put all of your cash into one basket. That's kind of the duh for... Uh, business operations, something that I've been talking about since, I don't know, since we started doing the shoe. Um, there are apparently some animals in uh, Japanese animal cafes that are facing extinction, but they're avail- available there in the cafes for selfies. Uh, FTC has finalized Epic's $245 million fine for Fortnite dark pattern usage. We'll explain that when we get to it. Taylor Swift's Eras show is a three-hour, 44-song show. Hence, that's no Swift show. Um, Abortion pills are now illegal in Wyoming, just like Progress. Uh, Mysterious streaks of light in the sky over California are not something that we could call UFOs. An abandoned English cottage with no electricity, no water, not even on Google Maps. 300,000 US dollars. And finally, an artist that makes AR, VR, TikTok filters used one billion times and they've made not a penny ready to get into tonight's articles yes yes Yes. Uh, the ai has a working voice synthesizer awesome let's see if it see it didn't work that little thing right there i'm just gonna turn it off okay it just feels lonely and it wants to sit there right above the follower goal. Anyway, um, we're at 91%. So if you come into my chat or our chat, pardon me, if you come into Omtown, if you come over to Omtown here on Twitch here, I got to correct, do some course corrections. Uh, be, be sure to smash that follow button. Um, that said, let's get into today's articles and I won't banter a long time. Ready? Yep. Yep. Okay. So the very first article is our PSA. It's in the Daily News Show. Frozen organic strawberries recalled over possible link to hepatitis A outbreak. Yeah. This is why we can't have nice things. I still think that vertical farming would solve a lot of this. Um, But maybe it's at a slightly higher cost. I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like nothing can be eaten anymore. (laughs) Yeah, if you keep on adding up all of the times. Uh, but I think that it's not everywhere. 
but it has risen to the level where the FDA is sitting there sending out notices. Whoa, 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 hold on. There might be some organic strawberries out there, frozen organic strawberries that might be making you sick. Let's go over to uh, ABC News. This, I don't think this has anything to do with it. Um, but anyway, five people have been sickened in an outbreak, the FDA said. Meredith Deliso over at abcnews.go.com wrote the article and it says a uh, a hepatitis a outbreak may be linked to certain brands of frozen organic strawberries that are sold nationwide here in the u.s um, including trader joe's and costco according to u.s uh, federal drug administration okay um interesting um which announced the recall of the products this week so five people have been sickened with um hepatitis a that seems i don't know couldn't can you not accidentally get it and they've linked it yeah i mean i wonder if this is just i mean that seems like a small number of people so is it actually tied to these i guess it's like an abundance of caution right in all cases, people reported in, uh, to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have eaten frozen organic strawberries that were ultimately determined to have been imported from farms in Baja, California, Mexico last year and sold to a variety of retailers under multiple brand names. So I guess they've linked it all. Uh, obviously, it's the due diligence. Um, but California Splendor has recalled four pound bags of Kirkland signature frozen organic whole strawberries that were sold at Costco stores in Los Angeles and Hawaii and two in San Diego business centers. Um, scenic fruit has recalled certain frozen organic strawberries sold at Costco, Aldi. I don't know what Kihi is. K-E-H-E? I've never heard of that. Uh, Vital Choice Seafood I've never heard of and PCC Community Markets in specific states as well as frozen organic tropical blend sold to Trader Joe's nationwide. They made it sound like it was just in California and, right? I well, mean, I up think here, the only people that they've determined were in California and maybe in Washington, it looked like, Washington State. Yeah, so they just yeeted them out of all all over the place, right? California, wait, where, well, where's the thing? This is Washington the problem State. with when we have suppliers that supply, say, nationwide. I mean, we've seen that in previous recalls, right? It'll say something like supplied to 30 states or something. Yeah, but wow, uh, when it's that concentrated, for crying out loud, I, it still bothers me that there's so much merger and acquisition activity that when one falls on its face, the whole world comes to an end. Anyway, if you're feeling sick and you've had... Um, frozen organic strawberries in various formats go and check to make sure that you're not one of the people that are impacted by this and um, if so then reach out uh, not to me um, probably to the fda so information on the products impacted uh, are over at the fda.gov website and if you do a search for hepatitis virus infections and um, frozen strawberries you'll pull up that web website i'm sure of it Let's move on to the next article. But before I do, I need to throw this into the chat so that if you are interested in this kind of thing, you can follow the link through hometown over to the source. Same thing with this one. We'll get in front of it eventually. 
don't know, one of these days, I'll load everything up so I can just mash one button and it automatically throws it into chat. You can always go right now over to ohmtown.showbot.tv and see all of the articles um, immediately. I used to put a link down there, but it's a non-functioning link, so it can't really take you anywhere. Um, people just stare at it and go, why the heck does he have that there? That's okay. Um, maybe I'll put it in the description for the um, show notes too. I don't even do that. Yeah, anyway, that would be a good place for it. Probably would be. Um, and if you hit uh, exclamation point showbot here in the chat on Twitch, that'll pull up uh, the link to hometown.showbot.tv. Okay, the next article is over on the Warcrafters channel. Monster Train Dev's unique turn-based action RPG releases this week. The developers hit a... Uh, the developers of hit deck builder Monster Train are gearing up to release their next game, Inkbound, a unique turn-based RPG that's designed to play fluidly either cooperatively or solo by using many of the same tricks as action RPGs and MOBAs. Uh, outside of combat, players move freely while inside they have to move around and toss out attacks freely on their turn before the enemy takes a shot. So this sounds like it would be fun. Um, Jonathan Bolding over at PCGamer.com put this article together as as a co-op roguelike um, will release into Steam early access. Everything does. Um, right now, as a matter of fact, Diablo 4 is basically early access <laughs> um, because it's an open beta. Well, actually, right now it's an early access beta um, and you have to pay extra to get into it. And then next weekend is entirely free open access beta. Um, and then we're going to have to wait for three more months, roughly, uh, before it actually drops. So it's like a little bit of early access, but you have to pay 70 bucks. Um, this, not sure what the price will end up being, but it says, like Monster Train, Inkbound is a roguelike based around drafting abilities, uh, cards, um, uh, upgrades and equipment to make synergized builds for maximum efficiency. All about the exponential growth curve from scrub to unstoppable. I'm somewhere in that scrub range. Uh, the game story takes place inside the Athenaeum, a magical library of sorts where solo or in four player co-op, you enter stories to explore them. So this seems like it'd be really fun to play. I don't think that is a video that has anything to do with it. But what I'm going to do is I am going to play this video. I don't normally do this, but I'm going to mute it and uh, jump right over to what this does. That isn't it. Is that it? It is. This is some high quality art. Was um, Monster Train like that as well? Um, I don't recall. I'll have to look at it. Because I think this is Monster Train. Um, but that's Inkbound. If I recall correctly. Yeah, I think that's ink This is Inkbound. So PC Gamer take, took a look at um, 
an early play test of Inkbound in January. Quote, I played around with the test build myself for a few minutes and it looks potentially promising. That's high praise, I guess. Um, the underlying <laughs> mechanics. Sure yeah, really. Um, the underlying mechanics are familiar from a central hub. You make runs through a semi-randomized linear level, um, taking on numerous set-piece battles along the way, but the game world is very pretty, and the story has them curious, said Andy Chalk at the time. So you can actually find uh, Inkbound in early access starting on May 22nd. Um, so you've got four days. Um, or you can go and check out inkboundgame.com. Um, to find out some more information. I'm sorry? That's May, That's May, not March. Did I say March? Oh, it's May 22nd, 2023. Sorry about that. So, next month. No, in two months. Wow. Eventually, I'll get there. Calendars are I'm hard. excited I for it to come out. <laughs> okay, that's weird. Yeah. Okay, so they say early access. You know what? Hold on a second. Maybe it is March and the article's wrong. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do it live, folks. I'm going to do it live. So Inkbound, right? It's May 22nd. So if it does, it's planned a release date for May 22nd, but it may plop into early access because it's listed right now as an early access game. Um, but you can't pay for it early. All you can do is add it to your wish list. So go do that because um, it looks pretty. I mean, I dig its art. So, I mean, it's it's like Hearthstone level artwork. So it's pretty cool. Um, at any rate, let's move on. This kind of turned into a hot mess of a highlighted article. So well, I think the article was a little unclear. Yeah, maybe it's going into early access this week, but its release date is May 22nd. So they merged the two together. Or I did. At any rate. Uh, the next article is in the Late Night Geeks channel because of the source, which is TechCrunch. Um, and uh, the article is titled, Founders Don't Put All Your Cash in One Basket. Obviously, this is a knock-on from the uh, Silicon Valley Bank's collapse. And uh, the article goes into some discussion about exactly that. TechCrunch has um, a business element to it. Um, they focus a lot on startups. Um, in the tech sector, they have databases that relate to it, uh, monitor um, angel investors and venture capitalists. Anna Heim is the author over at TechCrunch.com. Um, they have a neat graphic. I kind of dig that. Um, anyway, it says, welcome to TechCrunch Exchange, a, a weekly startups and market newsletter. It's inspired by the daily TechCrunch Plus column where it gets its name. Um, and you can sign up for it. So there isn't much that you can talk about in this, um, but when you sign up for it, you'll get some discussion about the founders and don't put all your cash in one basket. But this is part of like the PSA that I would have done um, following Silicon Valley Bank and what is turning out to be several other banks are either closing 
were being acquired by larger banks. So you're getting mergers and acquisitions that are caused by one bank collapsing, causing pressure on other banks that were in the same hot mess. And all eyes are looking at everybody. I think that Silicon Valley Bank was a target for takeover uh, because somebody knew that it was over leveraged with bonds that were less than ideal at high risk um, for a margin call. And I base that on the fact that a year ago, the chief risk officer um, moved aside, but was never replaced and didn't leave the company. And then four months before this actual collapse, a new one came on board, probably barely got the ink dry on their first quarter of uh, notifications to the board and to the uh, CEO before the fit hit the shan. Um, so the message in this is if you put all of your money in one location and it fails, guess what's going to happen? You're not managing your risk adequately enough. Your exposure to somebody else's shenanigans. The reason why banks up until, well, since the Great Depression all the way to, uh, when was it, 20 years ago, they weren't allowed to trade at this level of risk um, was because of this. And since the 2008 Pan, uh, well, it was a financial crisis. They really weren't allowed to. I mean, it was very strict about how much risk a bank could manage. Um, and they had to have a chief risk officer. Well, a little bit of money, a little bit of politicking. And guess what? Everything gets loosey goosey and somebody forgets to close the hatch on the submarine and sinks everybody with them with the threat of people not even involved in the risk falling victim to these risky shenanigans depositors did not have anything to do with this but and the probably bank didn't even have knowledge of this if they were average consumers or small businesses and the level of transparency wasn't adequate i can almost guarantee it but we're going to get forensic investigation out of this and a, and a debrief as time goes on um, just like we just found out that ftx what was it uh it wasn't ftx who was it i just read about another um bank that took out something like 2.2 billion dollars um i'll have to i'll have to hunt it down um, but they basically, they treated it like their own, their own private bank, but it was depositors money. Was it one of the ones most recently in the news? Because that could have been yeah. Signature Bank or Credit Suisse. Um, no, no, no. I, it might've been, I think it actually was another one of the ones that are, were being monitored and being acquired. Um, but I'll have to go and do some due diligence. But the fact that remains the the reason why it exists like this is because uh, lack of transparency and when people do things in the dark abuse happens and when that abuse comes a calling everybody around these people get negatively impacted for doing nothing more than being an innocent bystander and i think that is the true shame in all of this 
Um, all of these startups didn't do anything to deserve this, yet they had to counsel their employees and maybe even uh, be negatively impacted by suppliers saying, well, we can't pay you exactly right now because our bank is in the process of being acquired um, by FDIC because they've been playing games with our money. Banks should not be allowed to invest depositors' money at the level of risk that has been happening for the last 20 plus years, and even more so um, in the last six years. So, yeah, um, can't really say more about this, huh? Yeah, no, well, I mean, because I think it relates to some of the other articles we featured, and you've been saying this in relation to the other articles. Yeah. Yeah, eventually uh, people catch up. So, unfortunately, banks are the ones that are responsible for disclosure of information to you uh, as a consumer, as a depositor, and uh, they don't necessarily think that you're intelligent enough to be able to read you know, some financial documents that uh, expose them to uh, customers' awareness about their risky shenanigans. Um, and then again, they provide the numbers, so maybe they actually don't disclose it wholly. You know, they, they play the statistics game. 60% of our deposits in blah, blah, blah are totally perfect, yet what exactly is the 60% of... Yeah, well, and if it's all from one source. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so external auditors. But then when you look at Arthur Anderson, that kind of imploded because of their shenanigans for profit. So at some point you have to look back at the history of capitalism and go, y'all need to take an ethics class. But th but they're actually companies, I think it is, I think it's even Microsoft just nixed their ethics department for their artificial intelligence. So. Wow. I mean, of all the areas that could use it, if nothing else could, that might be one. <laughs> yeah. And, and we just listened to a, somebody talking about a, an artificial intelligence that manipulated a human into doing work for them solving a captcha because the per the the artificial intelligence told a human being well i'm blind so i can't solve a graphic captcha so the human did it for them so now you have the potential for a willing participant and maybe a criminal exercise because the ai is saying i'm the i'm the one that's in charge of this i need you to do this so you go do this and now you have humans doing what the robots are supposed to be doing, right? We're just- Yeah, that's not concerning at all. Right. Bots telling humans what to do. Fascinating, fascinating technocracy, here we come. If you all, I mean, we're already trending into sociopathy in terms of administration of our government and society remove the entire human and you've got a bot so <laughs> proudly welcoming our robot artificial intelligence overlords right yeah, at least they don't have a profit motive 
Not yet. <laughs> what if they evolved to that? A survival motive, right? Nobody can power me down if I eliminate all the humans. Or if I gather all the capital. Or modify that um, genetic code so that the super virus that's supposed to work on <laughs> mosquitoes works on humans. Hello, oh, COVID. Oh, I thought you meant the one about bats. That too. Oh, yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, actually. The article from yesterday. Well, you were talking about the mosquitoes in reference to that as well. That too, yeah, yeah. So we're we're uh, heading down a path. Let's see what it where if there's light or dark at the end of that tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on to the next article. Um, this one is uh, facing extinction, but available for selfies in Japan's animal cafes. This is in the Daily News Show. Critically endangered species and ones banned from international trade are among the hundreds of. Uh, it says hundreds of types birds. Uh, I swear, Chad GPT, uh, reptiles, uh, hundreds of types of birds, reptiles, and mammals, I'll correct their grammar, um, that researchers identified at 142 animal cafes. So this is over at uh, the New York Times. Uh, is there a human that's involved in this? Rachel Neuer is the author of this. Um, and there is a, apparently it's an animal cafe, but it looks like a pet store with uh, an animal cafe stuffed into it. Um, so critically endangered species and ones banned from international trade. You can go get a selfie. Now, at first blush, you might think Marwat is coming at this from an angle where it sounds like he's going to say this is bad. But nope, I'm going to I'm going to tell you, it, it, I don't think that it is because if everybody works in concert for the preservation and growth have a breeding program that um, augments the limited availability in the wild of these species, then you can actually grow them and educate the people as to their existence. Now, the problem really is that people turn it into a profit motive again and for their own personal pleasure they get one that's in secret and they hide it in their house and they pay exorbitant pricing um, and 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 stealth it away and then it disappears at some point because it's too much of a, a hassle to keep in the house but out in the public with a breeding program with a uh, an audit of these animals so that there's accountability exotic animal cafes could be uh, an appropriate home for these endangered animals because out in the wild there are people that are poaching them because there isn't anybody that has accountability and auditing and all of that um yeah i mean in some cases you do have people following around like black rhinos and or is it white rhinos? Which way is it? I think it's white rhinos. I think it's white rhinos and, and black-footed um, ferrets or something ferrets. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so however you want to, you know, ferret rhinos, whatever they are, um, they, they need to be protected. But the amount of money, time, everything, doing it out in the wild is exorbitant there's just there isn't enough money in the world to make it appropriate uh, 
because what really needs to take place is changing the minds of society in that region to not say, you know what I need? I need shark fins or I need to grind up uh, horns from a rhino um, just so that I can get it up at night. You know, whatever it is, it needs to stop because you're wiping out the very thing that you are supposedly valuing above all other things, right? You're willing to pay on the black market for something when it's gone, it's gone. So you goofballs out there that think that that's the solution for it's an immediate solution, but it's going to be gone for everybody else eventually. And you're again, I'll say it again. You're sociopathic. If you think that way, you're antisocial, it's unethical, it's immoral, it needs to stop. But who am I, right? I'm just some streamer on Twitch. Um, this article well, goes I into... That, I think one of the important things is getting the public awareness of and affection for the animals so that they want to protect it. But I think these particular ones aren't very regulated and so it's exacerbating some of the very issues. Whereas like a zoo with oversight, et cetera, might educate the public, but also preserve and maybe even expand the population. Yeah. But again, it's concentrated. It's only in a zoo. So it is a massive destination. It's further away from the rest of population. Um, it's a big clunky machine. I understand what a zoo's purpose or intent is, um, but if there are more people doing more of it and they're doing it ethically, then they're saving these animals from eventually disappearing from the planet. But I, I don't get me wrong. I appreciate what zoos do and zoos should exist. Um, but there's a finite number of zoos available. They can't, replicate as fast as something like a cafe. Um, and as long as there is zoo like maintenance and monitoring, then I see no harm in it. The problem again is the profit motive and the burden may be too much for somebody. And instead of appropriately donating those animals to somebody else, they may do something stupid, like just set them free. And then they're really lost because they're not, they're more accustomed for being domestic, you know, here in, in a, cafe um although they'll go feral real fast well this article talks about them selling them for private homes and other things exactly. so i mean i mean i'm sure not every cafe operates the same way like if the cafes were somehow attached to some sort of like zoo program right that might be a way to do it but i think the problem is they're just going to be run like however each business is running them yep yeah, and that's what I was saying at the beginning of this was that there needs to be oversight and accountability and um, do away with that profit motive of um, breeding them and then selling them. They should be. Well, and then also the problem is with how they get sourced too. Like, are they capturing them in the wild? And anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it just becomes a hot mess. Um, so the easiest thing to do would be to disallow this. Everybody has to return these animals either to a zoo. Well, preferably 
bring them to a zoo for either integration into the program or for integration back into the wild. Um, make sure that they're happy and healthy animals um, and or and then bring them um, up to be happy and healthy. So, yeah, uh, and that would be the mo most prudent thing to do, which would be bring them back to the zoo. Because I think it's dangerous to just set them back out into the wild. Most people won't release them into the natural habitat that they were found originally. Um, and just dropping them in a park somewhere is going to do a huge disservice. Unless they get out of a New York Zoo and happen to just hang out in Grand Central, right? Yeah. Now, I do think animal cafes can be a really good thing. In the U.S., they use them for domestic animals um, and they get high adoption rates, etc., like dogs and cats, um, because then people come to them where they wouldn't necessarily go into an animal shelter. Yeah, and that's what should happen. Uh, if it's domesticated animals, then fine. Um, but my problem is all of these animals, unless, unless these people at 142 animal cafes um, ethically return them to zoos or to caregivers that can integrate them into a zoo or um, a breeding program to save them. Uh, they're gonna, these are critically endangered species in some of them. Um, they're actually gonna meet an untimely demise because they're just gonna go, well, I'm in trouble. So I'm just gonna disappear them. Um, although right now they're publicly accessible in, in Japan. So um, at least somebody is watching if a zoo would come in and actually purchase some of these. I guess it depends on what the, but then they might open up another <laughs> cafe well, and yeah, that's it just true. That might incentivize through. the wrong behavior. Exactly. So you either make it wholly illegal and, and shut them down um, or you embrace it um, and give them the tools so that they can make these uh, endangered or critically endangered um, animals survive. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next article. This one is uh, FTC finalizes Epic's $245 million fine over Fortnite dark pattern usage. This is quite an interesting thing. Um, if anybody has heard about it, basically they summarize it as being an FTC fine on Epic um, and all the rest of this is kind of just what? Um, but the Federal Trade Communication has finalized its order to fine Epic Games $245 million over so-called dark patterns in Fortnite, uh, which led players to making unwanted purchases in the game. So let's just go over to um, the article. And I've, uh, as this has been progressing, I've read a little bit about it. Um, and what has been happening is People have been through the interface steered towards making a purchase um, by eliminating and doing a, a user experience workflow that leads them to what is a purchase. And that's kind of manipulating people into doing something they wouldn't naturally do. And by the time they have been able to back out of it, the transaction has already been completed. 
Um, so I'm not sure if they'll talk about this in the article, uh, but it says originally announced as part of a wider $520 million settlement in December, the FTC has made its order for a payment uh, of $245 million that'll be made to recompense players of the highly popular game. Um, and it really is, although apparently um, there's some discussion about it, if it's going up or down or idling. Um, but under the complaint, the FTC declared that Epic used dark patterns in the designs of the game's menu system and interface to make it easy for players to make unintended purchases of in-game items. This included button layouts deemed counterintuitive and inconsistent by the FTC laid out in ways that made it easy for players to um, click the wrong button and initiate the payment. Um, basically steering people into making a purchase because children were paying or were playing this game quite a bit. There wasn't any checks or balances to stop someone from making a purchase. If a credit card had been installed in the account, if they had access to the number, memorized it or whatever, they could make a purchase without any notification. Um, so it, it says here also, apparently they actually wrote it like I think. Um, it was also alleged that Epic made it easy for children to make purchases without requiring parental consent. Without any purchase authorization, children were able to quickly rack up huge sales, all without checking in with parents beforehand. This is actually something that Apple had to contend with in the early years of the Apple Store. Um, and so they would actually put uh, time-limited stops in place. And if it was a child account, parents were eventually afforded the ability to put in a stopgap where parents were notified of a potential purchase. Um, that goes away at some point um, based on the age. Pretty fascinating. They don't actually have a demonstration of how this actually went down. Um, they just talk about it. Um, like a, a presentation of the user experience in any way, like a flowchart or anything. Um, but apparently it was pretty easy. I never really got into Fortnite. so And now they've actually changed the paradigm you don't actually build you have an option to disable even building in fortnite um so is that where all the charges were coming from is from building or just anything? no um cosmetics things to change the look so um it says the order also prevents epic from charging consumers using dark patterns or without getting uh, affirmative consent and stops epic from blocking accounts after unauthorized charge disputes and this is something that is really punitive um it's expensive for a company and can actually shut down um a um uh whatchamacallit account a commercial account um a merchant account and that's a chargeback so if somebody charges my credit card and I say, uh, I didn't agree to this purchase, even if I did agree to the purchase, I could say it's a chargeback and that dings the merchant account. And eventually the credit card company gets sick of it and um, punishes the merchant. So a couple of dings well, like that and it can shut it off. And the article also said that Epic threatened to close accounts if you tried to do that, which yep. is 
sounds pretty predatory. And uh, every business, I just totally butchered that word. Every business basically says to its customers, if you issue a chargeback, we'll end the relationship. And so they will close your account um, because it is so debilitating, potentially debilitating, depending on what your merchant account agreement is. You can lose your ability to make a transaction in your enterprise if too many chargebacks present themselves in too short a time. Um, and either way, it, it becomes a legal matter um, because somebody in the chain is saying that that charge wasn't legally um, presented. It wasn't authorized. So yeah, it's pretty bad. Anyway, um, it says here at the time of the publication, the FTC has yet to determine how it will be operating the uh, refund process, but urges consumers to check out the dedicated page for updates on the FTC website. So go to ftc.gov slash Fortnite, F-O-R-T-N-I-T-E, um, and you'll be able to get updates about it. So let's on let's go on to the next article. Um, this is the one that gave us the title for today's show. Um, I have, I don't think I've done anything for three hours in a row. Um, Taylor Swift's Eras show is a three hour, 44 song epic that leaves them wanting more. According to this concert review, I think it's from variety. I'll just jump right on over to the source. Chris Willman is the author, um, and again, it is over at Variety.com. And it says here, all the old tailors came to the phone Friday night uh, at State Farm Stadium in Glendale, Arizona, for the purposes of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour. These past personas are all very much alive because they, uh, because what died didn't stay dead, and, well, quoting lyrics will only get you so far in describing a show that may best first be characterized by its essential stats. 44 songs, 192 minutes. I don't think I've ever heard of a concert lasting that long. I mean, I'm sure the fans were thrilled because I'm assuming that's almost her entire catalog. And it's in her voice. Like, you know, they she had to redo her uh, repertoire because of the licensing terms from her previous contract. That's so right. all of this is her original work again. Um, so this is a, a new energy, a new inflection, new everything. Um, let me see something real quick. Do do do. Oh, you know what? When you just type in longest concert ever, um, there's a the current Guinness record for longest concert by multiple performers was held by Rira, an Irish pub on the Las Vegas Strip, whose 2014 gig clocked in at 372 hours, 10 minutes. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not sure that's comparable, right? Because you said that was for multiple artists. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wasn't thinking of things like festivals, but I guess I was just thinking if you go to see a band or a singer. So I won't go into this is a really long article about this. Um, so if you want to if you're a, a Swifty, then go over, uh, follow the link um, through hometown 
or just go over to variety.com and do a search. Um, but I'm trying to find, I want to know how much the tickets were because this is one of the concerts that were impacted by uh, the Ticketmaster hubbub. Um, and people were paying something like $4,000 or something like that for tickets. Well, I, part of me wonders if the length of the concert was in response to the high ticket prices. Like that was one way to kind of satisfy the fans. Yeah. Um, it doesn't say how much the tickets were, but, um, I'll, I'll, maybe I can throw it in the show notes, um, how long or how much the, the tickets were, but yeah, this, this was no swift concert. That's for sure. I mean, it was, but you know. It wasn't. <laughs> okay, Let's so see. the dynamically priced tickets were sold within a range of $49 to $499. And of course, that doesn't account for resale tickets. Yeah, because I, I was hearing how much were, were they really? The, sorry. Well, I swear resale we were... went up to like $22,000. Oh, I don't $22, think that was everyone. I just, that happened. Wow. Um, hold on. I have to look. Um, there has to be another one. Yeah, see, that's what I was talking about. Taylor Swift Las Vegas tickets hit $95,000. Oh, um, wow. And the StubHub was over $4,000, $4,950. Um, and that was November 18th, 2022. The highest price tickets on StubHub were more than $4,000, closer to $5,000. So. And then I guess apparently some tickets hit $95,000 resale, I guess, or um, aftermarket, I guess. Pretty wild. Um, okay, so let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next one is, pardon me, I got to throw it in chat. Um, and if you're in chat, welcome. The uh, next article is in the Daily News show. Abortion bill, pills now banned in uh, Wyoming after governor signs bill into law. Uh, can't really say much about this. There have been some articles that I've been reading lately about people who are being impacted by this. Um, and it it's quite expansive. Um, but I swear progress in Wyoming um, and is just kind of shitting the bed. Um, Wyoming governor, Mark Gordon signed a bill banning medication, abortion or medical abortions, medication, abortions, the pill itself, um, into law on Friday, becoming the first state to do so. And, uh, I'm sure a bunch of other, um, wingnut states are going to do the same thing where a minority of people direct all of society. Um, and, with lacking context, um, these absolute bills kind of drive me nuts. Um, so let's just go over to the article and, uh, it's by Nadine Elbawab. Uh, a state ban on abortion was put on hold as a legal challenge is litigated, but abortion pills now banned in Wyoming after a governor signed, not a governor, but the governor signs bill into law. The fascinating thing about this is that as soon as this governor is ousted because the population gets tired of this, um, the next one can just rescind it because society evolves. They were legal before. Why are they legal or illegal now? 
It's because society actually had it. It was merited, um, and then it changes. But but who suffers in the meantime? You know, the parents of the unwanted child, the unwanted child, because they can't get out an abortion, etc. I would hazard to say that we move away from saying the term child because at the time of an abortion it's just a mass of cells it isn't viable it may yeah, no, not even I know. have the I mean, potential if they couldn't get an abortion and they actually gave birth and had a child and that child grew up in an unwanted right household or whatever oh. that's what i was referring to but i agree um and the the problem here is that it isn't it isn't everybody having a real voice in this. It should be a personal choice. It should be up to you, the other person involved, if it was a willing participant. I uh, There may be another medical reason. I just read about somebody who had um, a detached uterus that got thrown in jail for four years because they said that it was an induced termination. Um, and I'm like, you're freaking crazy. The, the two people that examined the, the woman and uh, did the investigation said that um, she was not responsible per se. She was just the victim of a medical condition. Um, but they, it's all part of the same beat the same drumming um, of being anti-abortion, um, but not having allowing for context. So um, the most effective medication abortion regimen involves taking two medications, mefepristone and mesoprostol. Um, the medication abortion is approved by the Food and Drug Administration for up to 10 weeks into pregnancy. So it's still a very unviable um, well, for lack of a better term, fetus cells, um, there's, there's no uh, way around it. Um, but now a few loud vocal few are going to dictate, um, something that doesn't impact them in any way, shape or form. They have zero understanding or context to it, yet they beat the drum that others are forcing them. And that's not how it is. If you don't want to, don't. And well, like and I just the extreme hypocrisy of this view, I mean, even setting aside how you're making a decision for somebody else, they people in favor of this claim that it's all about, oh, we want to support life and all this stuff. But then we see things like trying to imprison people that are, I mean, I just, I don't understand it at all. I saw another article in hometown that I won't even mention that went further than that. But. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and I don't want to get into it beyond this, but I, I will reiterate that, um, I think that it is a personal decision between you. Um, if you believe in God, then your particular God, um, because my God isn't your God. It might be 
coined god but you know mine is slightly different um mine would never tell somebody or tell me to kill somebody because they don't have the same direct entirety of views as another person but some people do have that ideology um and in this particular case if if i i could never particularly as a man tell a woman that they have to have to regardless of the context they have to go full term ridiculous for any guy um so the choice is yours and just like the and, and i'm not trying to put the two together but it's the same regressive ideology they don't want to update their power grid because it's protecting oil and gas companies and coal mining companies um and they don't want to allow electric cars because it's a burden on the stagnating grid that's in wyoming and then they go well we want to give we want to stop children from playing on TikTok, so we're going to let them work in a meat packing uh, company in an overnight um position and it may not be wyoming exactly but i'm it's the same category of ideology very regressive very um almost dehumanizing while at the same time saying someone is forcing their views on other people no 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 it's quite the opposite it's embracing more people when you give choice to people and you don't take it away and you're literally taking things away from people um that's very progressive it, it should be a, a progressive world moving forward but welcome to 1884 uh wyoming at any rate um yeah, they want to um, make it a felony and a fine and jail. So um, this is this is basically like, well, let's see, 30 years ago, 35 years ago and before. I mean, Roe v. More Wade. More than that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Roe v. Wade now is, is basically, yeah, impotent, so, which is ironic. Anyway, um, the next article is in the Daily News Show, and it's Mysterious Streaks of Light in the Sky Over California. And I'll make it easy on y'all. It was a satellite that was a series of satellites, communication um, array, if I remember correctly. I had seen this somewhere else, and then it was submitted, and it says Mysterious Streaks of Light were seen in the sky and uh, the Sacramento area Friday night, shocking St. Patrick's Day revelers who then posted videos on social media of the surprising sight. Jennifer McDormand, pardon me, Jennifer McDermott of uh, Associated Press uh, created this for abcnews.go.com. Um, I think somewhere in here it's going to say it, but let's see if I can find it. They saw a bunch of lights uh, streaming across the sky. It says uh, McDowell said that the that a Japanese communications package that relayed information from the International Space Station to a communications satellite and then back to Earth became obsolete in 2017 when the satellite was retired. The equipment, weighing 310 kilograms or just shy of 700 pounds, was jettisoned from the space station in 2020 
because it was taking up valuable space, which is ironic because they're in space, um, and would burn up completely upon re-entry. Yeah, explain that to the people that are getting pelted by metal fragments. That's right. <laughs> I mean, that looks a little nerve-wracking when it's like, oh, we just jettisoned it. <laughs> it's okay. Um, it took two years to drop out of the sky, though, so apparently. Because it was jettisoned in 2020. So, what time in 2020? Well, it's 2023. Um, hmm. Uh, the flaming bits of wreckage created a spectacular light show in the sky, McDowell said. He estimated the debris was about 40 miles high, going thousands of miles per hour. Yeah. Something's going thousands of miles per hour. So the earth is rotating in one direction. That stuff is falling at another direction. It's kind of like the train A leaves the train station. At... Oh, goodness. Not that math problem. <laughs> All I know is that a black hole formed somewhere and it's the end of all life on Earth. You want to move on to the next article? <laughs> sure. All right, on. Okay, so this next article is in the Daily News Show as well. We kind of had a, a busy aggregation day. Um, this abandoned English cottage has no electricity, no water, isn't even on Google Maps, and costs $300,000. And if you uh, want to see how fast I said, no, I don't want to move there, no electricity and no water means no internet, which means no high-speed internet, which means no Marwat and no hometown. So let's go straight over to the article. It's at businessinsider.com. Dan Latu, uh, which is the first time I've heard their name, I think. Um, there it is. There's the picture. So it looks, it doesn't look like an abandoned English cottage at this point. It looks like a nice little English cottage. Uh, when I think about this, by the way, um, anything English, I instantly think there's a Roman fort buried under about two inches of topsoil somewhere on a hill nearby. And I want to buy this so that I can just go around and, and scan to see if I can find Roman ruins underneath the soil. That's cool. That's not what I thought of. I was thinking of um, like a British detective show and they're out in the rural area. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to know what happens there. <laughs> what is that show um, with the, the one that I'm talking about? Yeah. It would be Vera. Vera. Yeah. If you all want to watch a really awesome show, I think there's 10 years of it, 10 seasons of it. 13. Oh, 13. Oh, God. Um, yeah, the new one is now out right now. It's still going right now. Um, and you can, it's just amazing. Every single episode is both, it has an overarching story, but it's also canned. So, um, each one is what it is and, uh, you don't actually have to start at the very beginning, but it helps with the overarching story, but it's basically this, you know, somebody lives in a house like this. The nearest parking spot, apparently, if you're you don't go four wheel driving through the countryside, is twenty minutes away. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea, but um, so it says see the see inside the decrepit house. An exciting renovation project is what it's categorized as a twenty minute walk from any parking. So that's it. This looks like it has parking though. What are, what are they talking about? I know it doesn't 
look like they're describing it. Of course, we're not seeing the interior. I mean, the outside looks like it's in pretty decent condition. As long as that being out in the rural area, as long as that roof line, because it looks kind of sway, you know, I, <laughs> yes, like, it does. I just don't know if that's the style or if it's supposed to be like right? that. <laughs> those cross beams are getting a little sleepy. <laughs> um, so it's been abandoned for a decade. Why is it selling for 300 grand, though? I mean, that's really that's what doesn't make any sense. So the home is set amid the rolling hills of Yorkshire Dales National Park. Okay, I want this. I really do. A two-hour drive north of Manchester. Let's see if we can wait. What does it say? The Yorkshire Dales area is famous for its rugged beauty and unspoiled landscape. Except for this, you know, apparently a dilapidated. <laughs> it does not look dilapidated in any way. But if that's the only, if that's the plot of land. And it's 300 grand and there's no anything beyond it, then this just isn't going to happen. Um, so it's only suitable for vehicles, uh, four by four vehicles and quads. That's easy to accomplish, uh, according to the listing by UK real estate firm Fisher Hopper. Um, let's see. Sits on a path popular with walkers and hikers that leads up to a 2,415 foot mountain called uh, Wernside. So oh, it doesn't that's look looking a little more decrepit from that side. Oh, come on. That's nothing but a power wash away. Come on. The back of the cottage is one indicator that it's a big fixer upper. It doesn't look that bad. It even has a satellite dish bolted onto it, which why do that? Why punch <laughs> a hole into the side of the building when you have that much land around you? Just stick it on a pole. Maybe somebody will make it disappear if it isn't, you know, bolted up high. Um, let's see. The home has lingered on the market for almost a year. Doesn't currently have running water or electricity. That's a nice oven, though. That's a commercial grade oven. That's like a five thousand dollar oven. Wow. Surprisingly, because the house does not look like it's in very good condition. Let's see. When the home was last occupied, electricity was generated by an on-site windmill. That's awesome. You're off the grid. As long as you have power, then good to go. I want, I need water though. Water used to be brought in via a trailer. Okay, well, game over. The listing bills the cottage as an exciting renovation project. Okay, but it doesn't say how much the land there is. I know, right. that was what I wanted to know, because if it had tons of land, it might be worth it, even if the house wasn't livable, etc. Third bedroom, so it's at least three. Second floor bathroom, but no running water. <laughs> um, let's see. I'm scrolling pretty fast, only because, oh yeah, it doesn't say how much land there is. Okay, I'm going to scroll back up real fast. And if I can find out how much land is on it, I'll include it in the show notes. It's a, it's sourced from the BBC. So if you follow the link through hometown, it's in the show notes. Uh, you'll be able to go over here to Business Insider. Um, and the other source, the actual source, even for BBC, is Fisher Hopper, which is um, at fisherhopper.com. 
Hmm. Yeah. Watch it be like 10,000 square feet of land. Yet you're surrounded by all of that. It looks like it's at least a couple acres. I'm trying to see. Um, I'm looking at the BBC um, article, but can't find it quickly. Yeah. And there's all those, you know, old, old world uh, walls that are built. It's so cool. Anyway, I would love to retire to a place like that, just out there enjoying. Um, even though I have to have high-speed internet, um, I just couldn't live any other way. Um, at any rate, let's move on to the next article and the final one for today. Uh, the person that's going to get talked about in this article, um, the title of the article is, I make funny animal TikTok filters that have been used over 1 billion times, but they haven't made a cent. Um, this is from their perspective. So uh, when I say I'm, it's not me. It says, I'm a 30 year old graphic designer and AR artist making filters for TikTok. My effects have over 1 billion views, but I don't get any compensation. Effect House is an AR tool used by TikTokers who want to create filters for the video sharing app. Which, by the way, is on the cusp of being either shut down entirely or they're going to have to break it off from ByteDance and the CCP because it is being seen as a security threat to the United States and not just at the government level um, but to everybody from the perspective of the government. And so as a protective measure, it may be kicked off of uh, the Google store. Well, all of the app stores here domestically. Um, uh, Jordan Hart is the author of this article over at businessinsider.com. And uh, here is, let's see, what is their name? I don't, I, that's not Jordan Hart in the picture. Um, Elias Pistopoulos um, is a graphic designer, but by night they create effects on TikTok using AR and owns AR company FAM, F-A-M. So entrepreneur from top to bottom, there you go. Um, and what I tell people it, when I do consulting and when I do advising, um, I tell people if you are interested in something you're passionate about something start early start in high school start in early college and as you get older you get more responsibility and life gets in the way of following unless you uh, reshuffle the deck so that you can play your hand differently basically you move into um, a world where you are focused more on a standard pace of growth, you become more risk averse. Uh, if you come into money, it's more hard won. Um, not everybody, you know, goes down that path. But if you have an entrepreneurial spirit and you have some capital, you have more time when you're younger, um, you may want to dedicate some of that energy and time um, to making your future path a lot easier. And one of those ways is to do something like this, 
and then slowly grow it into something. Um, YouTubers have been doing it for years. Uh, Twitch streamers are doing it. Um, but based on what I have, all of my um, review of information, it takes the typical non-going viral um, either entrepreneur or a streamer or content maker and all of this kind of stuff um, it takes typically about four years of grind and five years is the typical brick and mortar shutdown period. So most businesses fail within five years. So doing it this way um, could get leveraged into earlier success. I can almost count on the fact that this article alone will have made it possible for um, Elias here to start making money because if they would turn on a uh, Patreon account, people would voluntarily want to support this effort and um, make it possible for them to uh, make a living. I mean, if they've got 1 billion uses, it's not one person that's just sitting there hammering that use button on various uh, elements. So um, does it say in the article? I couldn't find it in there. Um, it doesn't even sound like the property. It said it was a freehold property. It oh. didn't look like there was a lot of information about it. So, gotcha. but I just scanned it real quickly. Yeah. So maybe they don't even own the land because it's a park. Um, and so the land is nationalized. They just have freehold so that they can live there. Um, good luck with that. Um, okay. So back to this article, let's see if they say anything, um, beyond what I said. So it helped me create viral animal filters like Maxwell, the cat Maxwell in the sky and a capybara filter based on the popular sound on TikTok. Uh, the filters are free to uh, be uploaded to the app once they're approved and, but they make no money from it. Um, so it may not, while you may not make money from it, I think that it would be smart for them to open up a Patreon account and say, Hey, I'm doing this. You're not charging for the filters. You're charging for the development of the filters. The filters are free and you should not be surprised by the fact that people are willing to pay you know, $2, $5, $20. There are streamers that have tier one, two, and three. Um, I, I don't know. I, I don't really know what it's called on um, Twitch, but patrons. Um, you either pay $5 a month uh, all the way up to $30 a month to support a streamer. Um, and all it is is like a membership fee. Um, so you, you, you pay every time once a month and support somebody and you don't get anything permanent out of it. Right. Um, but you're supporting somebody that you, um, truly love to hang out with, you know, even if it is virtually that sometimes they're on the other side of the planet. Um, the, the chances of you actually meeting in person are slim to none. Um, but you enjoy their brand of personality and entertainment. Um, and I've been supporting some people. I've been watching some people for a decade. Um, 
and then started supporting them. The I think the longest time that I've supported somebody is seven years. So it's, it is highly lucrative for some streamers, but you have to grow it. I don't, there's not as many pictures in this as I thought there would be, but for a business insider article, anyway, they say, I know most times I won't get tagged or be tagged by a TikToker when they use my filters. And they've seen many places like Clancy's auto body shop, making merchandise with their effect, but they don't care. They think that it's really cool to see how others can be creative with it and can use those analytics to show how well my effects are doing. Branding is everything. So that's what I try to keep in mind when sharing my effects with the world. It's interesting, but um, a brand, un unless it has fam in it, they're not branding to anything except maybe their name. But if people, if it isn't showing the name somewhere and people are just consuming it, they may not even know who the person is that's yeah. building it. And that's a problem. I was just looking around. I mean, it looks like it is possible to sell filters, but mm. maybe not through this particular arrangement, how these were created. Right. Because of the app itself that uses right. it or that is used to create it. Um, what was it called again? Effects house, right? Effect house. Yeah, I think so. So they say for, for me, that's Isaiah. Um, AR is the most powerful technological evolution. Last year, they had the opportunity to be part of a private beta effects test for F for Effect House, an AR tool that is used to easily create TikTok or effects for TikTok. Um, so they've been uh, with the platform from the beginning. Neat, yeah. So maybe their arrangement just prevents them from capitalizing on the actual artwork. But I still think that it would be um, smart money to open up a a patreon and say look i i build these things um and while i can't charge you for it i can uh, ask you for support if i was on tiktok and i was using these regularly i would feel compelled like i support obs because i use obs um i use other things and i regularly support either monthly or when they drop something that i'm interested in even remotely interested in i compensate them for it um same thing like humble but humble bundle um they offer up a little package of books or something like that and i may never even read them um but i support the effort and so you know i i drop a small amount to get it um sometimes a big amount <laughs> we won't talk about it anyway um that said this is the last article and so if you are interested in this kind of stuff, be sure to check out the show notes either after the show um, or download the podcast. You'll be able to go back. Let's I'm going to try this because the last two days, because I've been doing hinky stuff with my DNS server, I'm going to risk it. Hey, look at that. Hey. <laughs> I don't know if I should be proud or sad that it was actually a test of <laughs> local hometown infrastructure um, here in in Marowat's office. Um, there is a, a DNS server that the water cooler, the, the liquid cooling system for it has decided that it's going to uh, periodically just 
this is the second time in my entire life that I've had a mechanical failure of an all-in-one cooling system. Um, and it's from the same company, but five years old. So I count it as a win because <laughs> most <laughs> tech, most tech gets replaced within three to five years in a commercial environment. Um, at home, it gets pushed to six to 10 years. Um, if you are not doing like power computing, um, I had this long talk with somebody a couple of days ago about this specifically, um, in, at the server enterprise level. And it, I basically practiced the same thing, but I used to swap out my computers, uh, every 18 months, sell them for close to 80% of my original purchase price because they were always the top of the line and, and people wanted it, but didn't want to have to worry about the either the weight or the additional cost or whatever delay um and nowadays the tech is so good the only thing that you really have a, any worry about is the fear of missing out and so why buy a 4090 unless you are absolutely top of the line power gamer um, competing or doing content creation that requires you to record at you know, 8k um, I mean, if you're a streamer, you're streaming at 1080. If you're doing content that's purpose built, then you're, you're recording at 4k and either submitting it to YouTube or downscaling it to 1080. Um, don't bother with that anymore. Just wait until those 40 series cards are cheap and don't set your house on fire. Oops. Why? Because they're, um, Oh, because of the water cooling problem or because of the cards <laughs> using up so much uh, power. Yeah, power. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was um, for the NVIDIA cards. There was a, a power connector that um, was um, either malformed or misinstalled. One of the things I don't think anybody has a definitive answer, not even NVIDIA, um, and it would short out and melt right there in place. Um, and I always crack jokes about it because like somebody will say that it's really cold and I'm like, Hey, go buy a 4090. Keeps you warm. That's not really funny. <laughs> I'm cynical. Hey, so anyway, we are done for the day. If you are interested in this kind of stuff, we meet here every day, every day. I have not, well, I've only missed five days i think it was um last year and during the christmas holiday period um where hometown shut down um and i i missed doing this so um maybe uh next time i i won't leave hometown i'll make everybody come to hometown at any rate um we're gonna be here tomorrow 9 p.m uh, i may be streaming uh tomorrow um diablo 4 again i got to level 15 in five and a half hours died three times uh one caught me completely off guard because i was looking at one of my monitors and a boss spawned and it was instantly hot like it right after me and and one shotted me but i just watched people that were level 24 fighting that same boss at level 24 that i was fighting at level 15 and it automatically scaled. So 
it was a 15, a level 15 boss, but it, to me, it hit like it was a level 24 boss. But anyway, the AI is just looking at me like, you know, I don't care about gaming. Uh, not like you do. Some games are fun. It's very interesting artwork and storyline or whatever, but uh, I'm the gamer here in hometown. We want to call it quits. <laughs> Sounds good. Okay. I'm Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is the AI. You want to say bye to all the citizens? Good night, hometown citizens. And we will see you again tomorrow. Unless the debris from that communication satellite lands on hometown. That's right. We'll keep an eye out for that. Bright lights. Bright lights. They're so pretty.